Can we pray together as we approach the word of God? Lord, you're already here. You're with us. And Lord, we thank you that we claim to worship a risen Christ. And we're not just celebrating a historical event, but we're celebrating your presence among us. And we thank you that you're here. Lord, we honor and reverence your presence. More than anything that's said here today, more than anything that we do, we honor the presence of the risen Christ among us. And Lord, today it's not my words that are needed or these songs that are needed, it's your presence that's needed. It's you that we need. So God, we thank you that you're here with us today. We bless you. Lord, it's so true, I've never preached a good sermon without you. So I need you. And Lord, we pray that you would open up the word of God to us today. It's your word, not my word. So open your word to us today. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. If you're visiting today, you don't know who I am. Uh, my name is Joel Repic, and I'm lead pastor here at the Gospel Tab. And especially if you're visiting, we're so grateful that you're with us today. I love that video. It came out last summer. I don't, I don't know how that video made you feel, but I feel like the filmmakers did such a good job at interspersing the scenes from the global church, from the church in the United States, um, with some of the turbulent things that are happening overseas and in our own culture. And it's worth watching again. We'll probably post the YouTube link on the Gospel Tabs page today. But notice some of the subtle things the filmmakers did. Sometimes things are moving forward. Sometimes they're in reverse. Um, you know, they're really uh, capturing kingdom movement, you know, and how God is building some things. He's reversing other things. Um, but I was thinking about Easter this year because last year we didn't gather. Uh, we were at the beginning of you know, some of these major crisis situations in our culture. We did an online service. Some of you joined us for that. Um, and I was just coming into this service reflecting on the kind of year it's been, uh, reflecting on the turmoil that is still present in our culture um, you know, there's all kinds of pictures of this as we think about what Easter is. I noticed in my morning prayers today that April 4th, of course, this year, Easter has fallen on April 4th, is also the anniversary of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s assassination in Memphis. So we're remembering, you know, his assassination in Memphis, Tennessee, but we're celebrating the resurrection of Jesus today. Like the video showed, these things are always coming together. And I know this year has been turbulent, but really isn't this how every Easter falls? In the midst of turbulent circumstances, in the midst of turbulent emotions, in the midst of turbulent things going on in our own lives. I've been kind of talking on a macro level, but what are you coming into this Easter with? There's probably personal things, disjointed parts of your life, unanswered prayers, pain that you've brought into this service. And I think it's worth acknowledging because I don't think we do ourselves a service or a watching world when we celebrate Easter without being in touch with the reality of ongoing pain in our culture, right, in our lives. I don't know if you've ever had to hit an Easter, like it just fell at the same time that you were in a season of grief or a season of mourning, and you just knew what this service was gonna be like, right? Everyone was gonna be talking like everything was okay. Everyone was gonna be singing and shouting like they had no problems. And you were gonna come in here with this pain and have to navigate those emotions in the midst of a gathering like this. That might be where you're at today. I don't know, I don't know. Maybe you came in feeling it today. Clearly some of you did, 
right? But I'm just saying, maybe you came in, you know, heavy. You don't have a shout in you. Maybe you weren't able to sing any of these songs. Maybe you're not even sure if you believe any of this. Um, I would suggest that one of the things that makes the Bible so credible to me is that it is so real with all of these dynamics that I'm describing. If the Bible were some kind of book that made everything sound like it was okay and that made God sound like some kind of pain pill that was going to make everything go away, I don't know if I would really be able to enter into the story because that's not true of my life and it's not true of your life either. But I find the Bible to be radically honest with people's pain, with their doubts, uh, with their fears, to just be really, really honest with the things that real people feel every day and every Easter. Um, that to me feels credible. That to me feels like something that I can enter into. So it got me thinking, watching that video and just reflecting on all of this, it got me thinking, what, what, how does the scriptures describe the emotional states of people who surrounded the historical event of the resurrection? So, you know, today we're celebrating that Jesus rose from the dead after his crucifixion. My question is, today, how do the scriptures describe the emotional states of the people who surrounded that event? The men, the women who were his disciples in particular, people who were in it with him for those three years or a portion of those three years during his public ministry on earth, what were they feeling on Resurrection Sunday? Because maybe there's something in their stories that we can relate to. Maybe there's something in those stories that, that we can understand. So I just did a cursory study. I could have been more detailed. But I just did a cursory study of the four Gospels. If you're unfamiliar with the Bible, the New Testament begins with four books, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They're four accounts of Jesus' life. And they each take on a little bit of a different character, a different flavor, because it's four different people who are writing these books, but it's the same story about Jesus. All of them have accounts of Jesus' resurrection. So I decided to look into this and see what I could find. So let's look at the Gospel of Matthew, the first book of the New Testament. Look at some of these descriptions. I'm going to have to look off the screen here. Do not be afraid. So this is what the angels say to the women who come to the tomb. So the angels were able to, uh, they knew that these women were afraid, right? So this is the emotion that they were bringing in, you know, to this experience, being afraid. This is interesting. Afraid yet filled with joy. This is how the women left the tomb. I'm going to say more about this in a little bit, but fear but there was some kind of fluidity happening into joy as they were recognizing what was happening. Um, these same people later clasped his feet and worshiped him. So they came to a place of being, listen to that, clasping his feet, glad that he was back, right? Because this was the person that they loved. They worshiped him, but some doubted. So we see that some people aren't sure what to think about all this as they're coming to this event of the resurrection. You know, some, even while they're worshiping him, are wondering if this is really true. I wonder if any of you have felt that in a church service or if you're feeling it today. Let's look at the Gospel of Mark. They were alarmed. They were trembling and bewildered. They were afraid. They did not believe it, all right? 
They did not believe them either, right? I'm just taking these little phrases out of the Gospel of Mark. I'm not sure what to do. Look at the Gospel of Luke. They were wondering about this, confused about what it is that they were experiencing. Wait, Jesus was dead. We saw him die. He's put in a grave, and now he's alive. Some of the disciples, after the women come and report um, what they saw, that this grave was empty, and the angels that they saw and all of that, says they did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Um, others were wondering to themselves what had happened. Let's, oh, more in the Gospel of Luke. They were startled and frightened. They still did not believe it. Listen to this. They still did not believe it because of joy and amazement. Um, when I think of this description, I don't know if you've, like, you know, I have three kids. There's been times when we've tried to surprise them with something good, but we were too intense, you know? And it was like, surprise, and they're like, hey, you know, like, like excited but starting to cry, right? So they did not believe it because of joy. It's just like overwhelming. I don't know if I should cry or, you know, I don't know what to do here, right? My emotions are a mess. The Gospel of John, Mary, one of Jesus' disciples, stood outside the tomb crying. She did not realize it was Jesus. Even when Jesus appeared to her, she did not realize it was him. Eventually, the disciples are told, and they respond with joy. So this is a joyful response. So do you see all of the emotions that are happening in the people that surrounded the event of the resurrection? I would say you might organize it differently, but maybe we can summarize these in four kinds of main emotions. There's denial, just like I cannot face this, right? I saw him dead. And by the way, these are people, in all the examples I gave you, these are people who very much wanted Jesus alive, but they're still in denial, right? They can't face it. They don't know what to do with this information. They doubt it. Even as they start to feel excited, they're still doubting it. Sadness, it's interesting to me that on Resurrection Sunday in the scriptures account, there is so much tears. There's so much sadness surrounding the event of Jesus being raised from the dead. All this fear, you know, being alarmed and afraid. The angels are saying, don't be afraid. They, you know, they're trembling, they're bewildered, all of this. And then it's interesting because all of these kinds of negative emotions, there is this fluidity into joy that, that starts to break in on some of the followers of Jesus that although it feels like it's hard to believe and sad and fearful that maybe this is true and there's something to actually take joy in. I don't know how you feel about this, but I find it interesting that in the scripture's account of this man Jesus being raised from the dead, there are so many negative emotions. And even when joy is described, it's often right next to these negative emotions, these difficult emotions, these challenging emotions. Now, I just wanna pause right here and say something to everyone in this room about this dynamic of Easter and all of these turbulent emotions that are happening, and it's just this, that difficult emotions don't necessarily mean death. You hear me? Difficult emotions do not necessarily mean death. They might mean that resurrection is nearby, right? Negative emotions, hard emotions, don't necessarily mean death. Now, there are certainly hard emotions that surround the experience of death. I doubt there's anybody in this room who hasn't faced that on a personal level. The negative emotions, the difficult emotions that churn in the soul of a person when it comes near death, it is like there is something 
in us that knows that this isn't right. But what I'm saying today is that those negative emotions that you feel or you might be feeling today, they don't necessarily mean death. It might mean that resurrection is actually close. Because these disciples, men and women, were experiencing all kinds of turbulent negative emotions and resurrection was right nearby, right? That their wildest dreams were coming true right next to them and inside they're feeling all of this turbulent stuff. This means a lot of things, but one thing it means that I ought to state is that the fact of resurrection is not dependent on what we're feeling, right? Jesus came out of that grave independent of how we felt about it, right? Independent of what we're feeling today. He came out of that grave in history independent of the emotions that you brought into this service. You can't shout, you feel sad. It does not change the fact that this man Jesus came out of the grave, right? I'm so glad that we're not coming in here worshiping today, trying to worship hard enough to get him up out of that grave, right? To feel it enough so that he got out of that grave. He came out of that grave, right? Whether we feel it or not, whether we came in here all joyful or we came in here with tears, no matter what we're feeling, this happened. He came out of the grave in that place. So to me, that says then that we ought to not dismiss or certainly not feel shame over the turbulent things that we feel on a day like this. It means to me that we ought to pay attention to it, we ought to ask some questions of it. So let's ask some questions of these emotions, denial, sadness, fear, and this fluidity of these things into joy for the disciples. Why, why do you think they felt some of these things? We can put those, there you go. Um, if, we could, if we could just ask ourselves, why were some of his disciples feeling some of these things? Well, consider the denial one. This was something they had never Seen like quite like this before. Now it's interesting, some of the disciples had actually seen Jesus raise people from the dead, and yet it was so foreign to their experience, even still. That this was not how Jesus had told them he was going to raise from the dead, but it's just so different than what they had been trained just by life to see and to recognize. And it was so easy to end up in this in this place of denial. That they were in this place of grief and mourning in the wake of of Jesus's death and the easiest interpretation for them to jump to when they first saw that empty tomb was not that he came out of the grave. Who would think that, right? What detective would think that? You know what I mean? Oh, this grave is empty. I know what happened. He came back to life. You know what I mean? Like, who would think that? It was much easier to find a sad interpretation, right? Someone stole his body. Now this is insult to injury. Now, not only did we, did we lose him to the grave, but now we lost his body in the grave, right? To jump to this sad interpretation. And then fear, I mean, there's angels and the stone is rolled away and all this stuff is happening. And it's no wonder, right, that they began to tremble. And, and I don't know if you've experienced this, but sometimes when emotions are really high, our emotions aren't as compartmentalized as we think they are. I've mentioned this, we see this in kids, right? Sometimes when my three-year-old daughter is like really losing it, I can still get her to laugh, you know what I'm saying? Like, she's like throwing a fit, but I can say the right thing, and she laughs in the middle of it, but then she goes back to crying, right? So our emotions aren't always compartmentalized the way we think they are, right? Sometimes they're flowing into each other. 
So it's no surprise that they feel these things. And I would say that some of this is included in the scripture so that you can find yourself in this story. Of course, the thought that God is somehow bringing life into your story might be an easy thing to deny, right? Like that seems so different, you know, than what we expect. It seems so unusual. It's not like what our minds jump to. I don't doubt that there's folks here today, all the songs have been sung, the scriptures, you might not believe any of it. First of all, I want you to know you're welcome here, and we're really glad that you're here. Um, And many of us have had that same journey. Um, But I would say this, if scientific inquiry over the last hundreds of years has taught us anything, it is that things are not always as they seem. It is that human observation is actually quite frail. If science has taught us anything, it is that we ought to question our basic assumptions. It is that we ought to hold on to our viewpoints with a bit more humility. That just because it's outside of what we've experienced or outside of what we can understand doesn't mean that it's not true. Science has proved that to us. So many things that once thought we once couldn't understand because it was outside of our our viewpoint, um, outside of what we're able to observe, science has challenged those assumptions over and over and over again. If anything, hundreds of years of science ought not to make us like prideful and confident in what we think about things. It ought to make us humble and questioning. That's where all science, good science comes from anyway, is humbly and with curiosity questioning things as we see them. So I would just offer this. I'm not gonna offer you some big defense today on the historical fact of the resurrection. I'm just gonna say this. If you came in here today thinking there's no way that could ever be true, I would just encourage you to hold on to your assumptions loosely to hold on to what you think could happen loosely. And don't take my word for it, take science's word for it, but it's no no surprise that when resurrection is coming close to us and God is beginning to work in the circumstances of our lives, when he's beginning to call our name, when he's beginning to draw people to himself, that some of us respond with denial. It's like, how could this ever be true, right? Some of us respond with sadness. I don't know if you've ever had this experience or not, but sometimes when God really starts working in the life of a person, when God really starts working in a family, when God really starts working in a ministry, when God really starts working in a community, it is surprising how in those resurrection moments there can be so many tears. How could something so good feel so sad? right? Some of it is just because God is breaking in in ways that we don't fully understand, and we often jump to the sad interpretations, right? We often look at what we've lost when God is adding things to our lives, when he's adding his presence, adding his word, we often look at the empty tomb instead of the risen Christ, right? We often look at what it feels like has been lost instead of what God is adding into it, but it's no surprise that there's tears, that there's tears sometimes when God, I'm talking about when God is working, that sometimes there's tears in a group of people or an individual or a family. When God is working, sometimes the tears only point to the fact that God is working. We always want to interpret tears to mean that he's abandoned us, that he's left us, that he's broken his promises, but sometimes it means that resurrection is nearby, right? What about fear? 
Man, God starts doing some stuff, and it's like, I don't understand it. You know what I mean? I don't know what he's doing. I don't know how he's moving. I've never seen this before. You know, many of us in this room have those kinds of stories. God did something totally unexpected. I don't know about you. I have felt afraid at times, right? Watching what God is doing. It's like, even cognitively, it's like, I know this is good, but I feel afraid right now. Right? I feel afraid about the future. I feel afraid about you know, where God might be leading me. I'm encouraging you today not to feel shame about that, right? but to own the fact that these emotions are present on Resurrection Sunday. But there's something about resurrection coming close to us that turns, it begins to cause this fluidity of turning these even hard emotions into joy. And I also want to encourage this, that if you're feeling like, I don't know if this could be true, if you're feeling like this is sad, if you're feeling fear, I also want to encourage you to give yourself permission to laugh in the midst of that, even if you don't understand it. Um, it's like the little kid, you know, <laughs> you know, like sometimes, sometimes God does shakes our emotions in some hard ways. And in the process of the shaking, a surprising joy gets released. Um, we find an ability to laugh. It doesn't take away all the negative emotions. I love, don't you love those descriptions in the Gospels? They found it hard to believe because of their amazement and joy. But what is that? That's an emotionally confused person, right? Who is trying to figure out what is going on, right? In the midst of resurrection. And we've all been there. And that brings me to the point that I want to really make today. Sometimes our emotions go whack around resurrection. And I mean whack, you know? Because some of you, some of you all, your emotions are whack, right? It's okay. I'm releasing you from shame, right? Sometimes our emotions, sometimes our emotions go whack around resurrection because our orientation is so solidly towards death. Death is what we've known. Right? Narratives of death is what we understand. It's what we're schooled in without even knowing that we're being schooled in. And so because our orientation is towards death, when, when resurrection starts to break in on us, it means that we experience the disorientation of resurrection. There's a, something that gets shaken up in us. There's something, and we feel it emotionally. It's like, what is happening? Why, am I, why do I feel sad and afraid? Some of you are in these seasons right now. And it doesn't mean that God isn't working. Resurrection actually might be close by. So my question is, if this is the truth, if our emotions can go whack in response to resurrection, then how does Jesus respond to all this whackness? Well, I am grateful that he responds. Don't ask if it's a word or not, it's cool. <laughs> it made it into the sermon, it's a word. It's a word. Okay. All right. I promise you I have degrees and stuff. I know how to talk. But <laughs> Whackness. <laughs> All right. All right. Let's look at Luke 24. There's one story of resurrection that I actually didn't include in that survey of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And it's a story that I want us to focus on today. I am going to read it. It's a longer passage but I think you need to hear it. This is Luke 24, verse 13. This is one of the post-resurrection appearances of Jesus recorded by eyewitnesses who saw with their own eyes the risen Christ. This is one of my favorite stories. Look at how it happened. Verse 13. 
Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? Jesus is the best with questions, right? Just starts to draw it out of them. What are you discussing together as you walk along like he doesn't know, right? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things, he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied, he was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. He said to them, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he was going farther, but they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it is nearly evening, the day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? I love this story because it's really a story of what Jesus does when our emotions are going whack in response to his, his work in our lives. When resurrection is coming close, how does Jesus respond to all of the turbulence that's happening internally? You know, the worship team can actually come up because I'm going to be closing here in a minute. We're going to end with a song. Um, first of all, let me just point this out to you. What does Jesus do? Your emotions are whack. God is doing something good, but your emotions are going crazy. How does God respond to that in the midst of the denial, the sadness, the fear? What does Jesus do? Well, let me just point out the most obvious thing from what we just read in Luke 24. First of all, Jesus comes out to you. Jesus came out and met these disciples. And whatever they were, what were these disciples feeling? Disappointment, sadness, fear. You know, how long had they invested in this thing that Jesus had told them about? Now it's like, now it's like, wait, is any of this even, you know, real? I want to tell you, if, if you're a follower of Jesus today, feeling those things does not count you out of the story. That's part of it. You're a leader. You're in ministry. Oh, that feeling of disappointment is going to come. That, that feeling of like, oh, I thought this was going to work out, and it doesn't. 
That's what following Jesus can be like. I prayed for that person and this did not get answered the way I thought it was going to. We bring those, no matter how hard we sing, how loud we shout, we bring those emotions with us into this worship gathering today. All of those hard things, all of those disappointments. And I don't believe that Jesus is asking you to somehow pretend that that's not real or to leave that at the door. Resurrection Sunday is a day for those emotions. And it's not just that we bring these things to him. It's that he comes out to us. I love it. He's always coming out to us. God came out to us in Jesus, right? And again and again and again, he's sending Jesus to us, to the places where we're questioning, to the places where we're wondering. He sends Jesus to us. See, all of these stories teach us what the risen person of Jesus is like, because we don't believe he's just a historical figure. He's alive today. This is what Jesus is still doing. This is what the Father is still doing. And then, you know, I love how the prophet calls Jesus in the Old Testament, in the book of Isaiah, hundreds of years before Jesus came. There's this prophecy about Jesus. And the prophet calls him Wonderful Counselor. Um, it's really interesting. I don't know how much you know about modern psychology or counseling, but some of the things that are taught today in those places are things that Jesus did really well. One of those things is asking good questions. So what happened? What are you talking about? And the disciples just start to unpack, these two disciples start to unpack their emotions with Jesus. Well, we thought something was gonna happen and then it didn't, you know? Uh, we believed in this and then it didn't happen. Come on, have you ever felt that before? Can we be real? Have you ever felt that before? Like I, I, I guess this is an appropriate uh, idiom for Easter. Have you ever put all your eggs in that basket? Get it? Get it? You ever put all your eggs? your Easter eggs in that basket and then and then discover and then discover that it just didn't turn out how you thought it was going to come on come on can we testify in this place if you ever felt that way like man I signed up for this I'm in on this I believe this but it's not feel I'm feeling fearful I'm feeling sad like I didn't think this was what resurrection was going to feel like you know, there's a sense in which the disciples are just can't figure it out, you know, internally, what's happening with them. I love it because Jesus masterfully gets the disciples to name what they're feeling. We feel disappointed. We feel like this should have happened and it didn't. And I would say, one of my favorite things about Jesus is just how gentle he is. When I, I would say he still comes out to us and just walks with us in the place of those turbulent emotions gets us to name what we're feeling, even the hard things that we brought into an Easter service on 2021. And then he holds out to these disciples two things, his word and his presence. I wish I could have heard everything he told these disciples on the road because it says he started with Moses, the earliest parts of the Old Testament, and walked through the prophets who had prophesied about the one to come, including his suffering. And gee, this is Jesus you know, giving them a Bible study. Uh, we here at the Gospel Tab, if you've been with us in the last few weeks, we've been talking about how the whole book, the whole book of Scripture is really a story about one person, Jesus. And Jesus just walks them through. And I would say that this is still what Jesus holds out to us, is his word. As a matter of fact, as confusing as the emotions were internally for the disciples, Jesus had told them that he would rise on the third day. He had said it to them. He 
he hadn't left them without his word. And this is what, still what Jesus holds out to us, is his word, his promises. He holds out to us the things that he has said that are true. And we need his word, especially when our emotions are whack. You only have got to be ashamed about what you're feeling. But it is dangerous not to read what he has said to us, right? Because if science has taught us anything, it's that our perceptions are often not true and that things can look sad, but God might be working a miracle. I might feel afraid, but resurrection might be breaking in. I might be in denial, but God might be working all the pieces of this to do something that is better than my wildest dreams. God's purposes might still be at work in all of this. But he doesn't just give us a sermon. He doesn't just give us a Bible study which sometimes is the best that we do in church, right? Just give people a sermon. I love this. Jesus gives himself to these disciples. He eats with them. He hangs out with them. He walks with them through everything that they're feeling. He just step by step just goes with them in the things that they're feeling and the things that, the questions that they have, the disappointments. And something begins to come alive inside of these disciples, right? As a matter of fact, by the time Jesus disappears, you would talk about being made afraid again. You know what I mean? Like, by the time Jesus disappears, you know, oh, what do they say? Were not our hearts burning within us? Didn't we start to experience his presence? It, see, it wasn't just a Bible study. It's that the risen one was with us. See, we didn't have language for it until we could see it a little bit clear. We didn't know how to describe it, but we were feeling it on that road, you know? And often, this is what it's like. We see how God is showing up in sadness and in fear and in denial when we look back on how he was walking with. It's like, oh, our hearts were burning within us. Oh, I felt alone, but I wasn't. Oh, I thought I was by myself, but when I look back, Jesus was there with me. Right? He was doing something. He was walking with me. I can only see it looking back. But his presence was with me. Were, was not our hearts. We're not our hearts burning within us throughout that whole trial. We're not our hearts burning within us throughout that whole, whole season of grief and sadness. Mm -hmm. So what I'm saying today is no matter what you came in here feeling, the resurrection is a fact that we orient our lives toward. Um, we say, look, death is what I know, but resurrection is the story that God is writing. And it is beyond my understanding because I've seen it so few times. But what if God is actually doing something? That's true for you personally. I don't know what you came in here today with, what disappointment, what sickness, what sadness, what grief. And listen, some, some bad emotions are just bad emotions. I'm not going to lie to you. But I'm saying, what? Just pay attention. What if some of that turbulent stuff means that God is getting ready to do the next thing? What if it means, what if it's somehow actually evidence that some, like, like a rock landing in water and causing, you know, ripples? What if the turbulence, the ripples that are hitting your soul actually mean that God is moving not far away? At least ask the question. Even if you don't know Jesus, even if you wouldn't name yourself a follower of him, pay attention to some of the difficult things. Let yourself ask questions. 
Let yourself sit with that denial or that fear or that sadness, wherever it is that you are in this journey. I think it's true of movements of people. I know we have a lot of visitors today. Many of you, and we're so glad you're here, many of you in this room um, are part of the missional movement, you know, to our neighborhoods and the nations here at the Gospel Tab and, and going out to the nations and the Greenhouse Network. Friends, I just want to remind you that just because things feel sad or fearful um, or it's because it's hard to believe doesn't mean that God's not working in it. There's a lot of turbulence that happens in moves of God. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm paying attention to that in this season. Like, look, when there's something I don't understand or there's turbulence, it doesn't mean God has left us, right? It might mean that God is working. And then what about our communities and our nation? This is why I love the video. What does the turbulence of this last year mean? How are you interpreting it? Um, Because the battle for our pain is always the battle for the interpretation of our pain. It's not just that things hurt. It's what does that hurt mean? That's always the question. I guess you could interpret the last year in terms of despair. Honestly, I know a lot of Christians that are. All they want to talk about is all the despairing things. I want to stand here and testify on Resurrection Sunday that no matter what turbulence is happening in our community or our culture, what if God is bringing our communities in North America into the worldwide revival that he is planting here on earth? What if this season of shaking and pandemic and the unrest that comes from racial injustice and political turmoil. I'm telling you, don't get just hung up on the negative emotions. Feel them. Be real. But I'm just saying, what if it means that Jesus is on his way? What if it means that resurrection is near? That's why, I, did you see the pastor in the video all out in the midst of that? I want to be that guy. Can I be that guy? I want to be that guy. Listen, why wouldn't we want... I know it's afraid, I know it's fearful, I know it can feel sad, but why wouldn't we want to be out in the places where turbulence is happening in people's lives? To be present there, testify, look, I know it hurts. I don't have all the answers for it, I know it hurts, but it might mean that resurrection is nearby. Don't despair. It might mean that Jesus is actually coming in closer. All the turbulence might mean that God is doing something. Friends, could you stand to your feet? We're going to end just in worship. I know we have a lot of visitors here today, and you might have all kinds of questions um, about the things that I've said. Um, and I just want to say we're, we're a place that is okay with questions because God has been okay with our questions. The Bible just in, keeps inviting the questions of people. So you belong here. Um, If you came with someone, keep asking them questions. Um, You can uh, keep coming around us. You're always welcome. You may not understand everything. It's okay. You can keep asking questions. Um, We're going to just declare resurrection here at the end, especially over the painful places. The places that feel sad or fearful, the places where we're tempted to deny. And I just want to challenge us just for a moment that if, if as we bring those things to the Lord, there's something in us that's a little bit like, uh, you know what I mean? To bring that crack, that open, you know, that opening of joy to the Lord.
take the risk. Oh, joy is a risk. It's always a risk. We're afraid to feel joyful because what if we have no reason to be, right? But I want to encourage you to take the risk to be joyful, to risk that resurrection might be as real as the scriptures claim it is, all right? Um, just for that moment, to allow that joy to come forward, let's sing together.